world-class media, this is World Class. I'm your host, Travis Chappell. Here on World Class, we combine value, entertainment, and behind-the-scenes insights to bring you the most comprehensive view of what it takes to become world-class in what you do. Listen in every week as I have conversations with top business leaders, journalists, hostage negotiators, authors, comedians, producers, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I'll have a chat with them. I believe that the best way to become world-class is to learn from those who already are. And that's exactly what we do here on the show. You'll learn the skills that you need to master, the mindset that you need to adopt, the work you need to put in, all from people who have walked the road before you. So get ready to learn, be motivated, and most importantly, have a good time because you're listening to World Class. I'm your host, Travis Chapel. Today, I'm sitting down with the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Mr. Dean Graziosi. Hey, what's up, himself. everybody? How's it going? How's it going, man? So Good to be on. Ah, this is fun. Yeah, see you again. Yeah, again. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me to the studio. I mean, this place yeah. is awesome. Oh, this thank you. Yeah, we put. We took about that. eight months to get it done, so we're eight pretty months. stoked. It yeah, looks like stoked. it. It looks. It looks like a Silicon Valley startup just with profit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're not using anybody yeah. else's money to do exactly. this. Yeah. Exactly. It makes it a little bit different. Um, okay, so I want to jump into some things here. There's so many parts of your story that are so interesting, and uh, uh, we're going to try to uh, do a quick overview of that just for some people that, okay. uh, to get a little bit of context first. But then we're going to get into some really uh, big things on, on masterminds and networking and some awesome things that I'm excited to get into with you. So first off, um, quick overview. Talk to us about um, you know, all of the privileged background that you came from yeah. and how all of this <laughs> yeah. was just handed to you. Um, well, listen, when you don't have to, when you're born on third base, life is easy, you <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> No, you know, but, but seriously, I, I want to talk to you. Uh, I, I want to shed some light on your story yeah. because it is an incredible story um, from from where you came up to where you are now, and yeah. all of it is, is just such an inspiration to so many people, and has been for decades now. Oh, um, so, talk you. to us about um, you know what was life like for eight-year-old Dean Graziosi, okay. and then you know, kind of walk us through what sure, happened Sure, sure, and I'll pre-frame this. Listen, I just said this to Travis before we started. There's a million things you could be watching or listening to right now. We're inundated with information. When I was when I was trying to find information, there was no, there was no iTunes and podcasts and IG and Facebook. There was no videos online. It just didn't exist. Yeah. And now we're inundated, and so I know that you chose us to listen to us today, and I want to tell you, I'm here to serve. and. Take what serves you, throw the rest away. And what I'll just say before I get into the eight-year-old version and give you a little evolution, no matter where you are today when you're listening, if your back's up against the wall, you're struggling, you feel there's no hope, I've been there, been broker than broke, you know, evicted out of a trailer park when I was with my mom as a kid. I was broke in my 20s and thought there was nothing. I know what it's like to have a bleeding ulcer because of stress and staying up all night and not having any hope and having envy for other people getting ahead. But I also know what it's like to crack a hundred grand a year and then crack my first sale. And I know what it's like to get to a hundred grand a month. And I know what it's like to get to a hundred grand a day. And I know what it's like to get to a hundred grand before lunch. I know all those variables and all the failure in between. So there's no place, I promise you, if you're listening or watching, there's no place you are right now that I haven't been. And I'm gonna do my best to deliver value today to get you from where you are to where you wanna go. So if my story helps you see that, then great, and you don't have to have a horrific past or a horrific present to be able to go to another level. There's a lot of people that are doing okay, they're just not satisfied because I think the biggest plight of our world, and I stole it from Dale Carnegie, is um, knowing we have more potential, hmm. right? Untapped potential yeah. is, that'll drive us all crazy. Right. We know we have more to give and we're not. It's like wearing handcuffs, right? So. Uh, going back, I've never had anybody ask me a specific date. So eight-year-old Dean. Eight-year-old Dean, um, I was living in a trailer park with my mom in Milton, New York. My parents were divorced. My mom was married for the second time. My dad was married around his way for a second or third time. Um, legit lived in a trailer park. I didn't know, like it wasn't like, oh, poor me, I lived in a trailer park. It's just, yeah. that's where I lived. Right, right? I didn't right. know any different. As a kid, yeah. As a kid, you don't know any different. But um, my mom uh, worked three jobs back then. She cut hair at Up to Date, she cleaned houses, and then she helped paint houses on weekends and legit made about 90 bucks a week. Mm. And I already was, I was already crafting that, like I wanted to take care of my mom. Like if I think back at my first, we all have that initial thing that drove us. Some of it's like, I don't wanna be like my parents, or I wanna be like my parents, but better, or I, I don't want people to make fun of me, or I, just because I'm born with privilege, I wanna show people I could do my own thing. We all have our own story. Mm. But I remember at a really young age, I remember thinking my mom works way too hard. I don't see her. We are latchkey kids from a really young age. My sister and I 
cooked our own food, made our own beds, mm. did our own laundry, yeah. made our own lunches. Eight years old, I made my own lunch every day. Yeah. I tell my kids sometimes, I'm like, you didn't like the damn turkey I gave you? How about go two months? And yeah. I, I remember I remember a time I just told my kids this last night. I'm digressing here, and I'll get back to eight-year-old me. I moved into my dad when I was about 12, okay. and my dad was broker than my mom. And uh, I remember there were days where my dad, lunch was 75 cents back then, and my dad would hand me 75 pennies. And I told my kids, I'm like, would you walk up and pull out 75 pounds? I said, those days I didn't eat. Yeah. Like, my daughter's like, why? I'm like, come on, you don't want to go to school some days when you think your clothes don't match. <laughs> Imagine 20 of your buddies behind you one, and you pull out two, 20 pennies. Yeah. You're like, one, two, three. I'm like, don't give me, just eat your damn turkey. Yeah. Sorry it was on organic bread. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to be different right. than the kid I was, you know, than, than what I had. But um, eight-year-old Dean, yeah, that's, that's, and I just remember I knew I wanted more yeah. Um, I just, you know, I just wrote in a book recently though. I have to tell you, I knew, I know this sounds nuts, but I knew at 8, 10, 12, I knew I could do more even though the world said I couldn't. Yeah. I wasn't that smart in school. I didn't go past, I ended up not going past high school. I barely got out of high school. I had dyslexia. Yeah, um, what, what, real, go real ahead. Quick, yeah, sorry, no, please rebel. jump in. Why, why do you think, why do you think that is? Like why, why, so many people are put in way better situations, grow up with the silver spoon, with everything yeah. handed to them, grow up in, in situations where, where they should be expecting yeah, high yeah. things of themselves. Why do you think that you, really at such point. a young age, were, you know, had a head start yeah, in yeah. your mind from where all these other kids were? You know, I, really good question. I love questions that I've never hadn't been asked for. I've never been asked that one before. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but here's what I know. So, I, I wrote a book called The Underdog Advantage. It's my yeah. most recent book, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not pushing that. It's an amazing book. It's on fire right now. Um, but I look. It's like. I wasn't born, I was born an underdog, right? Didn't have mm. anything. Yeah. And my kids aren't. Right. My kids are born with privilege, mm. right? By the time I had them, I was 40 when I had my son. Mm. Um, I'd already become successful. They don't know a life of struggle. Yeah. But I work really hard to teach them how to have an underdog mindset. mindset. But it's not easy. I have to tell you, like, yeah. they don't want for anything. And I'm, they're not spoiled. And they have chores and they make money every week. But it's just like, it's just different, right? Mm. So I have to help find them find their hunger, yeah. right? And right. I think we're doing a pretty good job, right? Because I obsess on it. I read books and I interview people. Yeah. I get counseling once a week to help me make sure I don't raise two entitled kids. I was, I was no going to ask you. I was going to no ask shit. you. Let's, let's talk on that for just a second, <laughs> yeah. okay? To, to kind of, you know, Yeah, park that alone. Yeah, I want right. to finish that question. You um, had a great question. But uh, I, I do want to ask, because I have a uh, an eight-month-old eight son. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, so now, you know, b before you have kids, the word parenting comes up and you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah whatever. Now, <laughs> now, yeah, now that you have a kid, you're like, wait, how does this work? Yeah, yeah. So talk to me about a couple like practical things for all the parents out there and for me and my wife. What, what are a couple practical things, ways yeah, that so you help, help your kids? You have to find it. ways and I'm, I'm not perfect at it but I literally get counseling and I work on it and like this week I just made a deal with them. I picked 20 personal growth books. My personal favorites, they're mm. 11 and 13, plus I have a baby on the way. How about oh, how crazy is oh, that? Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna have a, Congrats, I'm gonna have a brand new baby Congrats. in three months from wow. now. At 51, back into diapers, Ooh. baby. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, I, like this week, I just picked 20 of my favorite personal growth books that I thought were okay for 11 and 13 year old to mm. read, That they, and I offered them 50 bucks a book, right? Got it. Um, I have Sunday meetings with them since they were three years old and talking, teaching them how to find gratitude. You know, at three, they're running around. It mm. might not be perfect. It's not, it's always messy, dude. Yeah, but yeah. but here's what I know. I talked to my kids like they were two years older their entire life. Mm. And we grew into it. Like every time, I'm like, I wonder if they're getting it. A circumstance or something would come up and they'd get it. And That's I'd be amazing. like, damn, that was something I put in there. Stuff that I learned. So don't underestimate your kids. I've talked to my kids about drugs, about sex, about um, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I talked to my kids about porn since they were eight years old mm. because all I know when things are taboo, if you remember the parents that were most strict, they were usually the kids that derailed the totally. hardest. Totally. You remember that? The, yeah. the, the boys and the girls with the worst reputation were the parents that were like, you be home at nine and they're sneaking out the back window. Mm. So I, I, I found a different approach. Um, I took a lot of the things that went wrong in my childhood and instead of just trying to guess, I, I hired consultants. I, I interviewed 50 people that I thought were great parents over the last 15 years. Mm. Again, I, I put everything out in the open. I built trust as the foundation of our relationship yeah. that they could tell me anything, even if it's a total mess up, and they have, and we've been able to talk through it. But as far as 
building hunger, that's the hardest one of all of them. And what I figured, what I found a way to do is do it through them wanting stuff and working for it, them having chores to good work through it, them being on sports teams and letting them know that, you know, uh, winners win, uh, winners practice when no one's watching. They win mm. when no one's watching, right? Yeah, so yeah. I got my kids to learn that practice and hard work is how people win. They love going to a game. They're both pitchers and they both do really, really well. Yeah. They love that. I said, that doesn't happen at games. That happens when no one's watching in the backyard when you're friends. And I talk about successful people. They worked when other people partied and drank. And so it's like, it's an obsession of mine. Yeah. And what I know is I don't have the ability to just give them hardship. They don't live in a little house and they don't, right? So, right, right. so now I have to create ways for them to fail. Yeah. I have to create ways for them to struggle. I have to create ways for them to feel like I got to do this on my own. To have that back yeah. against the wall feeling. Yeah, it, yeah. because it's really, what drives all of us, you yeah. know? And, and I have to tell you, at a young age, so going back to your question, um, eight, nine years old, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I gotta do more, there's more yeah. for me. Everybody's wrong. Yeah. Like, but I, I didn't really understand it, but I remember this. I remember my Uncle Larry, when I was really young, eight, 10, 12 years old, my Uncle Larry said, what are you gonna do when you're older? I said, I'm gonna be rich, I'm gonna have money. <laughs> yeah. and, and he said, why? And I said, because I wanna, I wanna make it so my mom doesn't work so hard. It wasn't for mm -hmm. fancy Lamborghini or for me. I just want my mom to kick, like she'd come home tired and her knuckles would hurt from cutting hair and painting and yeah. sweeping floors and, and her back would hurt and her legs would hurt and, and uh, her feet would hurt. And I'm mean, saying, this is, this, there's gotta be more. And I realized a couple of things. Uh, again, stop me anytime because I can just no, keep no, going on. Yeah. But I nice. remember at a young age, I equated really young that hard work had nothing to do with success. Hmm. It had to be hard work in the right area because yeah. my dad worked his ass off in a collision shop, worked yeah. on cars every day, grease under his nails, come home with headaches because of fumes of painting cars. My mom worked three jobs, neither one of them had a pot to piss in, yeah. right? So I, I realized at a young age, man, that it just wasn't, it was working hard in the right way. There was a disconnect. Yeah, there was a disconnect. Like, yeah. Again, I don't know, I wasn't, I, I, I wouldn't have explained this elegantly as a 10 year old, right, right, right. but I might have said something like, you know, if you, and maybe this is even too fancy, but it's as simple as if you practice every day with a bad golf swing, right. it doesn't make you a better golfer. It doesn't matter how hard you work, practice every day until someone comes along and says, sorry, you're holding it wrong. Sorry, right. that you gotta stay on this way. Your feet are at an angle. Then practice that. Right. That's a baseball good. bat. That's a baseball <laughs> bat. Yeah, right. that, yeah, that's a crowbar. Right. Like, you're never gonna get good. Right. That's yeah. funny, yeah. Travis, but it's true. And I equated that, but I didn't really know what to do. I just remember my Uncle Larry said to me, um, and I never felt smart because I had dyslexia, so I always struggled reading. Yeah. So when you're always the last in class, when you're always in special ed, man, I just, I hated it. I wanted out. Yeah. Um, but I remember my Uncle Larry saying, uh, well, if you want to be successful, Dean, what college are you going to go to and what's your career and what, where are you going to try to get a job? And I, I swear to God, I don't know what it was, but I remember saying, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> I'm not doing, I'm watching my mom and dad have jobs. It ain't working for them. Yeah. Right? So it really was at a young age. So from God, the universe, something I saw on TV, yeah. um, something shifted it and I knew that I had to do more. And, and again, just knowing from that kid, I moved into my dad when I was 13. I ended up working with him in his collision shop and his auto sales. And again, watched him work really hard. I knew there was a better way. And at a young age, I was smart enough. I was gonna say I'm smart. I was lucky enough. Let's just get it, <laughs> let's get it right. Our stories evolve and change, <laughs> yeah, right? Right, right? I was lucky enough to see dad's working hard. He's miserable all the time. Right. Gets mad easy, yells, fist fights with people, doesn't have money. And then I met some other people that were the same age or a little older than my dad. Totally. And yeah. they were doing cool, man. They right. were like, they were the wealthiest people in my tiny town. Yeah. And they seemed calm. Like I'd meet them and go, hey, you're a good young kid. And like I'd do something. And just, it was just different. I don't know how to yeah. explain it. It was like this, this sense of inner peace. Totally. But yeah. they had money. So I just remember thinking, I want to do more of what those guys do. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power 
of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. Yeah, I remember, I remember experiencing something fairly similar. I was a little bit older. I was actually, I was already married. I was 20, 21. And we had just, we just got married, moved away from, uh, from home for the first time ever. I grew up in a really like small religious bubble. And so like what I was going to do with the rest of my life, I went to ministerial school. I was going to be a youth pastor. I have my, my degrees in Bible and church ministries, all that kind of stuff. And when I had figured out, you know, I'd growing up all the time, you hear like people with money or, you know, know, they're chasing the things of the world or whatever. And that the love of money is the root of all evil and all that (laughs) stuff. So, you know, uh, I got out and I started experiencing something that was contrary to the things that I had been told, which sounds like exactly what you were, what you were going through, where I would meet somebody who had a bunch of money who seemed to be a really good person, who helped a lot of people, who right, they right. were happy, they, they weren't healthy, evil. they had they didn't a good have family. They, right, yeah, exactly, exactly. They weren't out to get you all the time. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a second. So if you can do all of these things, and you can chase these things and have all of this and still be happy, fulfilled, like run a and good life, help other help people. family, be, yeah, right, right, right. Be a servant-hearted person yeah. towards society as a whole, then there's gotta be, I'm, I'm missing something. You're missing something, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Well, that's really good that you had that realization. That's why you're sitting here today and doing and impacting lives and doing such a great thing for the world, man. So in addition to that, yeah. what are some other things that you think you did at that time in your life in order to set yourself up for success later on? Yeah, really good question. Um, so I would say that, and that's why I wrote Millionaire Success Habits, and I'm not plugging books. They're great books, <laughs> but I wrote that book because I was passionate about it because I started noticing, and again, I don't know if this was at 19... 15 or 27, Yeah. Um, but at 27 I was already on my way, but I started noticing that certain habits my dad had were the same ones his brothers and sisters had, my cousins had, a lot of my family had that were all struggling. Mm. They did certain things, it was a habit. We all have habits, no yeah. matter they're good, bad, or otherwise, right? right? Um, and I realized that the habits of these other guys that were doing well, and I had this one dear friend, Mark Miller, he's in his 80s, really successful artist and entrepreneur, he just had completely different habits. He had, he'd wake up in the morning and freaking have a routine. He'd meditate, he'd practice gratitude, and then he'd like set up his day, and I'd be like, my dad gets up and just gets pissed. <laughs> What's meditate? What's meditate? <laughs> like like sit in one spot, like yeah. home, and that'd be something my dad, like, oh, those oh, hokey totally. people oh, from totally. the West yeah, Coast. 100%. And that's that's anti-Catholic. Yeah, hippies. Yeah, yeah, like like right. to meditate in yoga, it's like you're yeah. the antichrist. Oh, totally. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, So I get you get, if you grew up right. in the bubble, but, you know, Catholics wasn't such a small bubble, it's probably yeah, the biggest yeah. bubble, but still, <laughs> right. if you weren't Catholic, everybody else was going straight to hell, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And the meditators and those that believed in personal development, not God. God development, right? right? So all those things. Um, but I started to recognize that people had different habits. And I think I started adjusting my habits. And, mm. and my, my family was uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And sat me down like interventions and said, and, and, the, and there was a shift, um, Travis, there was a shift where I knew every time they would say something was wrong, I knew I must have been doing something right. Mm. I don't know when that was. Again, I'm not trying to make this time when the sky opened, the epiphany happened. But there was a time where my dad would say, you're never going to make it. You're hiring someone to mow your lawn when you could mow it. You're never going to make it. I'm like, I think I'm onto something. Interesting. And I just had these little moments and these little epiphanies. And you know what the best, um, the best momentum for success is understanding when you have little wins. And, and that's something I really want you to focus on. Like think of positive reinforcement. If you're going to train a dog, Goes mm-hmm. out, scratches on the door for the first time, goes out and goes to the bathroom. You give it food, you give it love. Positive reinforcement, right? You're taking your, teaching your kids not to go on the, 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 in their diaper, to go on a toilet or get good grades. Positive reinforcement. But with ourselves, we will kick our own asses, for lack of a better word, and not give ourselves any credit, even though we're making momentum, we're making strides. We, mm-hmm. do, we have a great week, and you know what we do? We go on Instagram and find somebody with a new house or looking great, and you go, damn it, I'm not there yet. Or you look at the horizon for the perfect you. You, you get the first win with your wife, and she loves you, and you're, you've got this connection, or your husband, or your kid, and you don't, I got goosebumps talking about it, but you don't go, man, I gotta reward myself for that. You go, wow, that's good with my kids, but I'm not making enough money. Right. And then if you're making enough money, you go, yeah, but look at me, I'm 10 pounds over 
whatever weight. I've been trying to shed this forever. And what we do is we be, kick our own asses and we don't reward ourselves. But we reward a dog if he does something good. We reward our kids and we forget that. And I think there was this time in my 20s, and I've never shared it this way, that I saw little wins that were different than my parents. And I had my own collision shop in my early 20s. I was partners with my dad and then he had some issues in life and that went out and I had Dean Collision Center. And I started making these little tweaks and all of a sudden I got Enterprise Rent-A-Car as an account. And I was this little tiny collision wow. shop when all these big, big collision shops were in the big cities. I was right. in this little town with a little shop. But the way I was transparent with the, the rep, the way I built a relationship with that rep, the way I listened to what he really needed, the way I wanted to serve and give back and over deliver, all these little things I noticed, my dad was the type, freaking take it or leave it or get the hell out of my shop. Mm. Well, yeah. that led him to $30,000 a year in income. Mm. My like fourth year in, we hit 200 grand in income. Wow. And, I, and again, I, re, I, I noticed the shift. I noticed that I had different habits. I noticed that my customers and my employees were the most important people to me. Where my dad felt like they all worked for him. And I'm not knocking my dad. He had a really tough childhood and he was doing the best he mm. could. Mm. But I just noticed, wow, if I treat this, and then I got Hertz rental car, and all of a sudden then I bought two tow trucks, and all of a wow. sudden I'm, cr I'm in this little town, I built the most expensive house in this little town that I lived in, and I didn't do much different than my dad. I, I didn't and go back to college. And this is all like early 20s, early like 20s, late teens, right? Late teens, early 20s. Yeah, wow. Yep. Um, and then I started getting momentum. So then I owned uh, 30 apartments. I started buying raw land and subdividing and building houses. Wow. I had three tow trucks, so I had a tow truck company at night, Any any accidents around, I'd get all them. Had a collision shop, had an auto sales. I was probably making, I bet you I was living a good life. For a little town, I was a big fish yeah. in a little town. Right. I was right. probably taking home 300 grand a year from a kid who came from nothing. Yeah. Uh, my dad never made more than 10% of that. Uh, by then, I think I was already supporting my mom and my dad, giving them money every week. Wow. Um, and then in my mid-20s, something really changed. I was already probably on my way or a millionaire because I had done real estate. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, Unlike, like I said, unlike you have this podcast that we're listening to today, and I hope we'll get to some uh, tactics or strategies. Uh, hopefully, one thing you could take from here today, if you haven't heard something already, but um, there was no iTunes, there was no podcast, there wasn't Facebook. And I couldn't find inspiration. But late night TV, I watched Tony Robbins on this infomercial, and I had already shifted my thoughts a lot. Yeah. But this was like, like my family and my dad and everybody were to the left. Yeah. I found my way to the middle. <clears throat> And this guy, Tony, is like way to the right saying this <laughs> stuff that's like, oh my God, I want to believe it. So yeah. I said, the heck with it. I bought his course. I bought every upsell. I bought everything he had and I got it and I devoured it, Travis. What, 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 do, you think, what do you think it was that attracted you to Tony at that point? Like there was nothing, you know there was nothing was? that repelled you? Yeah, no, you know? nope. Okay. You know what it was? Everything I thought deep down that I was afraid to tell people, he mm. was talking about. He was articulating. He was articulating. Yeah, right, I'm right. like, no, I think just like that. But yeah. if I said that to my family, <laughs> my dad would be like, okay, you need to go into a, an insane asylum and get your head right, fixed, right? right? So all of a sudden, this guy's way to the right. He's saying all the stuff that I believed, I bought it. I devoured that course. Let me tell you how long ago this was. It was 26 years ago. I had a Sony Walkman with cassettes on my hip that was like this big. It was yeah. as big as a football <laughs> with the orange things. You can watch it on YouTube. It's retro now. And I listened to that and I believed everything he said. And it course corrected. It shifted my life. Yeah. Right? But then he had these other interviews. So he introduced me to Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and Jim Rohn and Napoleon mm. Hill yeah. and, and all these other books and all these people. And I'm like... Oh my God, why didn't somebody tell me this stuff was yeah. available? So all the success that you had been having was all prior to any form of like, yeah. you know, formal self-education right. where you are actually yes. on purpose reading yep. books and learning Yeah, I never even and, read one book up So this is all point. like totally stuff that you're just figuring out by yourself yes. and thinking like, oh, there's a disconnect here, but if I do this, this seems to work yeah. a little bit. Um, so after that then, uh, after you got the, the Tony course yeah. and started rolling through and started, you know, this entire new world yeah. opens oh up, literally, God. right? Yeah, new world. Um, what, what do you do at that point? Is, is this when you start getting into infomercials? Yep. Or, okay. okay. Yep. So, so can you walk us through, yeah, walk, walk sure. us through that thought process because yeah. I love the story, Dean. Um, because first of all, the risk was way bigger back then, yeah. right? Like it's not as simple as like getting Running a, a Facebook account ad. and throwing up a yeah, VSL, exactly. Right? You, Thank you for saying yeah. that. <laughs> right. So you, you take this big risk, put together this infomercial and you're like, okay, now what do I do? Oh, exactly. So, and it's a true yeah, story. Walk so, us through that. So I buy off an infomercial, completely shifts my life, Com yeah. shifts my thinking. I didn't know self-education existed. I tell this story a lot, but the truth is my guidance counselor was like, no college? Ooh, 
Maybe you could work on cars or work at the local factory. There was nothing in <laughs> She wasn't like, hey, you could follow these mentors. Right, you right. could go to work for someone and learn. Right. You Have could you read these Robbins? books. Yeah. Have you heard of Tony Robbins? It was like, my link. It was like yeah. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're screwed for life. The, heaven is over there at college. Not that college is bad, but that just wasn't a path. <laughs> yeah. And I remember listening to Tony and I'm thinking, why the hell, why did someone, <laughs> like why doesn't the whole world have this? And, yeah. and what I realized is I had the ambition. I had the drive, I had the work ethic, I was running away from a painful childhood. Mm. I was running towards wanting more freedom, more control of my life. But a lot of it, I was burning my brain out. Like the biggest obstacles in my life were between my ears. It wasn't the opportunity. Making money is easy. Like I don't mean to like oversimplify, but it's easy once you got your foundation, once you have the right habits, once you have the right goals, when you can overcome obstacles. Mm. And I got all that from Tony. And it was like, it was like I had a string on my back. Never said this before, but it was like, you ever see athletes when they put a little uh, uh, parachute on their back mm-hmm. and they yeah. do the 50 with a parachute? Right. I didn't realize I was running with a parachute. Mm. And I was running with resistance. And when I read all, like learned this from Tony and then Wayne Dyer and then all yeah. these Eckhart Tolle and the power and now all this great stuff feeding my brain, it's like I unhooked it and I was yeah. like, oh my God, I'm twice as fast. I took off the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wasn't running up yeah. a mountain anymore. <laughs> and uh, and thing, I got momentum and then within two years, um, within a couple of years, I'm like, man, Tony changed my life. I'm already a millionaire. I started with nothing. I got a great story. This is late I wanna 20s. Do, this is late 20s. I'm like, I want to do what Tony does. I want to create a course and teach people. Like, he gave me a course, changed my life. I want to give people a course and have them give me money and yeah. change their life. But just what you said, there was no ClickFunnels account. <laughs> there was um, there was no um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. There was no $50 ads. The only thing I saw was I had to build an infomercial. Yeah. So I used every dime I had, credit cards, borrowed money, um, and I did my first infomercial in 1998. What 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 do you think? What do you think differentiates people from being willing to take risk and not being willing to take risk? Because any a big enough uh, why? Not any other? Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'll, I'll stop the question there. Yeah, Go no, ahead. big enough hunger. Okay. Like, I'm scared all the time. I'm still scared, man. Yeah. Like, honestly, every level. Tony and I are taking on, want to fix the education system, make self-education. I get scared on all of it. And I think we all have those, and I'm going to digress for a second because it's a really great question. We all have two voices, all of us. And I hope you have the, the voice of strength that's stronger, but... I know I didn't. Like when people say to me you're such an optimist, I'm like, I think I was born a pessimist who fought really hard to be an optimist mm. because my brain always tells me you're not smart enough, you don't have the right education, you didn't come from the right area. It takes money to make money. Those people were more brilliant. They went to the right colleges. They had family who supported them. My family thought I was insane. That voice is still living inside me. I've been trying to kill it for 50 years or 40 years. Yeah. It's still a voice. So I know you have that. You know, you should keep this job because you have a mortgage. You should stay in this because your family thinks it's a great job. All of those voices are real and they're impactful on your life. But then you have that other voice that says, screw that. We can do this. Like We, I must be a little crazy, but we got this. You can do this. You can achieve this. Other people have. You can. Change your story. Change your life. Let's get an empowering story. We can do it. We have both. Whichever voice wins the majority of the time is who you become. Hmm. Simple as that. The voice that tells you, Play small, do it when you're older and 20 years go by. It's not the right time, not the right president. Your wife doesn't support you. Your husband thinks you're crazy. If that voice is just 10% louder, you won't go for the risk. You'll stay in the job for 25 years and you'll be working and listen to us when you're 55 years old or 60 years old saying, now I need to do it. So just know you have to fuel the voice of empowerment. Hmm. And if you want to move the needle and take risk. You take educated risk by getting self-education, by gaining specialized knowledge. You don't just, you don't just, don't just freaking go out there blind and hope it'll work. Gain capabilities from people who've already done it. Gain self-education, like I said, obsess over it. And then have a big enough compelling future. Like all I know is there's two things that motivate us and I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but it's really simple. It's pain and pleasure. Hmm. So. Half of you are motivated by pain and half of you are motivated by pleasure. So you could have somebody say, yeah, but you can have the new house, you can have freedom. You're like, no, 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 that doesn't do it for me. Because mm. half of you are motivated by pain and say, well, what if it was 10 years from now and you're still making the same money in the same job with the same feelings every morning when you wake up and you don't feel like a full man or a full woman? You go, oh shit, I can't let that happen. So mm. that means you're motivated by pain. If you go, I don't care about that, but I want the new house, I want freedom, I wanna show my kids what I didn't have, then you're motivated by pleasure. You need to have something so compelling that takes 
whichever one you are, if you're motivated by pain, amp that pain up and say, I am not allowing my life to be like this in five years. I don't know about you, five years has gone like that. My daughter just turned 13. I remember putting socks on her that were as big as my thumb. She's 13, dude. It went by so fast. Everybody told me what it did. Yeah. Five years is gonna go by. Are you gonna let that keep you there? And if not, get a big enough reason to get move away from that pain. Or if you're pleasure motivated, get a big enough reason to move towards that pleasure. Risk is only something we manifest. Mm. There's not much yeah. risk when you're calculated and you learn from the right people. It's not like you're going, okay, I'm not doing anything. I'm taking every bit of my savings and I'm going all in today and if not, tomorrow I'm broke. The world has changed. We can test Facebook ads with 50 bucks. When I did that infomercial, it cost me a couple hundred grand to see if somebody would buy order number one. <laughs> I remember, listen, when I, and we'll get on to, I'd love to share anything, but I remember my family always thought I was insane. Yeah. You might have those same experiences and everybody out there who's wanting another level, you're going to have people think you're nuts. When I took, now you got to understand something, from nothing, I'm in this little town with the most expensive house in this little town. I built my dream home. Mm -hmm. I have a collision shop. I have an auto sales. I have a tow truck company. I'm building houses and I have 20 apartments. Mm -hmm. And I take everything I got and I gamble on an infomercial. Yeah. You talk about people thinking I'm crazy. Right. My sister came from Virginia for like a, an intervention. You know when someone's on drugs or mm -hmm. alcohol? Mm -hmm. Literally sat me down like an intervention and said, you've gone too far. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. Isn't, when's, my sister said to me, when is when enough enough? enough? Yeah. Right? And I remember thinking maybe she's right. Maybe. And then, then that voice came in. You're not smart enough. You're gonna screw this up. You're gonna fail. Everybody's gonna laugh at you. They're gonna be right. And luckily, this other voice was just a little bit stronger. Yeah. And I failed three times since then. Just so you know, it wasn't this straight up paradise, everything's perfect, sleepless night, stress, failed three times. And every time I failed, I had that same thought of, you're not good enough, you could do it. But the stronger voice just won a little bit. Yeah. The score was like 21-20, right. right? It right. wasn't a blowout, mm -hmm. but that voice and a compelling future kept me going. And now I'm blessed to, you know, I'm multiple New York Times bestselling author. My brands and companies have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. I've started 13 successful companies. I'm partnered with my dear friend, Tony Robbins, who changed my life. I'm partners right. with Brendan Burchard and some of the people I respect the most. Yeah. We're impacting millions of lives. I'm married to the girl of my dreams. I'm having another baby. I love being a dad. And I'm not saying, oh, everything's perfect. I still deal with shit every day. Yeah, of course. But because of that journey, because of fueling the right voice, because of having a compelling future, because I know I needed it, because of understanding the pain and pleasure in my own life and fueling the one that drove me, I gained the capabilities. And once I, and, and stop me here, but once mm -hmm. I got that self-education from Tony, I was a complete addicted. Not only did I want to obsess on it, I've been to, 300 days of masterminds. I've spent a million dollars in masterminds. It's the biggest unfair advantage of my entire life. I've, I read a book about every 10 days or listen to a book about every 10 days. I not only go to masterminds, I conduct masterminds in groups. And that's why Tony and I got together and wanted to make self-education the new norm. That's why yeah. we built a course and a training and a blueprint to teach people how to extract what they do and do masterminds. Because without those, where would Tony and I be? He right. learned from Jim Rohn. Right. Yeah. If Tony Robbins didn't have Jim Rohn, he might be flipping burgers. That's what he jokes. Yeah, if I didn't have Tony, yeah. who knows where I'd be? If a lot of people didn't have Jim Rohn. They yeah. Burgers. <laughs> yeah, or Dale Carnegie or Earl Nightingale or, yeah. you know, so. Um, so, so really yeah. quick, there, there's one thing in there, uh, and there's so many different takeaways, yeah, yeah. so many different directions that we could take that, but there's one thing that I really want to focus in Let's on do here. It. And that was the, um, the intervention part, the, the, the voices in your head, right? The voices in your head being amplified mm -hmm. by outside um, influences. Uh, influences, yeah. yeah. Uh, who are saying, who are confirming those voices yeah. and making them the louder voices. That's one of my favorite things about being in masterminds is that typically they're made up of a bunch of people that who are crazy. were those <laughs> crazy people, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where their families are like, hey man, are you sure you want to be doing this? Yeah. Or their friends are like, bro, you know, we're, we're going to the, Chill, know, we're going to the bar, you know, like, like come out, come out with us, right? And um, it's made up of all of those people. Yeah. So when you get into those groups, it's not just about it's not just about an experience and it's not just even about the knowledge that you get. It's it's just about reinforcing the right voice in your head with the right influences, right? So can Let you me put this back on you. Before yeah. you, I wanna ask you a question. And this is a lot of things that, how old are you now, Travis? 27. 27. Um, this'll compound more in your life, I promise you. Congratulations on all your success, man, and marriage and a baby, That's it's Thank awesome. You. Perfect timing for you. It's always perfect timing. 51's perfect timing too. <laughs> yeah. But. I promise you, no matter what answer you give me right now, it'll grow exponentially. And this is stuff I, I love giving somebody who's in their 20s and 30s, especially if they're either starting or want to fuel their company. How important 
is it to control those voices in your life? It's been everything. It's been everything, yeah. The, it's the environment that really, I think, creates. The environment has created who I am. Yep. Um, so I just try to do my best to create an environment that will create a version of me in the future that is the version of me that I yeah. want to be, if that makes sense. I, and I think it sometimes is really as, as simple as that, is just forging. We have the ability to control our environment. Our environment shapes yep. us, no doubt. Right? No, no doubt our environment shapes us. Uh, but we have the option to be able to shape our environment. And I think that if, if, I, if I would not have consciously made a decision to yep. get around the people that would shift my environment in a way to make me believe certain things were actually cap like that I was capable of achieving yep. certain things where, you know, before I would have been like, ah, you know, not for me, or, you know, maybe in a couple decades, or, you know, all these limiting beliefs that were hardwired to believe for whatever reason, just, yeah. I, you know, from society or culture yep. or whatever familial, you know, influences. Um, so shifting my environment and joining masterminds and reading books and, getting around empowering people and uh, belief systems, and then also seeing the evidence that it's actually possible. Yeah. Seeing yeah. other people no, it's, do it's, it around it's, me. You're on like, such a wow. great track because yeah. you need the evidence yeah. and you need to feed the right voice inside of you. And mm. one of the few ways to do that is through surrounding yourself with like-minded people because most of the world don't think like you do. Most of the world doesn't think like those of you listening or watching, right? right? Most of the world Things like the family members we have. They're just doing what the generation before them did. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really glad to hear you say that, man, because uh, was there a time in your life, and maybe you're one of the lucky ones, but there's a time in my life where I always thought, I don't need any of the foo-foo stuff. I don't need personal growth. I don't need to read that. I just need the tool. I'm a hard that's worker. Hard. I'm a hustler. Show me how to make the money. I'll go do it. And that's all I thought. And I meet so many people like, yeah, yeah, Dean, could you just tell me your biggest marketing secret? Right, right. I'm like, well, what are you going to do with it? Right, and so many times they'll say, "If I give you my biggest marketing secret, is it going to you going to put it in play?" And then they'll start telling, "Well, you know, at first I got to get my wife on board, yeah. and you know I got to get out of this job." I'm like, "Okay, so I, why would I waste the biggest marketing secret today right. with the tactics when you're not mentally prepared for success? Yeah. You don't have a big enough, compelling future. You haven't decided. You haven't burned the boats. You haven't committed. You're listening to the negativity. You're unsure. You're a freaking dabbler. Right. So you want me to give you my greatest marketing strategy when you're not going to use they it? They want the guaranteed success without having to take any of the risk. Exactly. Yeah, it's to me ultimately what that question and, is. And for me, is the the foundational part eliminates the risk yep, because right. you make smart decisions and you totally. have the proof of concept. You're surrounded by the right people. You create the compelling future. Yeah. And you know where the magic comes in? I, I'm leaning in here because some of you are probably listening so you're not noticing I'm leaning in. But where the magic comes from, if I, I've been blessed to be in business for myself for over 30 years, over 13 companies, thousands of people worked on my brands and worked with me and my companies, the magic comes when someone combines the foundation and the mindset with the perfect tactics of someone who's already forged the mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. That's where exponential growth happens, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not, every once in a while somebody invents something new. You invent Facebook, you invent this fidget spinner. Right. But that's only one-tenth one of, they're yeah. one-offs. Mm -hmm. The people that are successful gain rock-solid mindset. Well, it's so funny you bring that up because <clears throat> I used to think that that was the version of success. Growing up, that's what I thought, that I had to, I had to invent, the, it was a matter of luck. Yeah. It was just like a, you know, if I invent the right thing at the right time. Or if someone believes in you and gives you right. money for. Right, exactly. Yeah, like what we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. it just gives me millions of dollars to yeah. go build this thing, regardless yeah. of whether or not it actually works, right? Right, right. Um, but that's what I used to think success was. There, there wasn't a clearly defined path. It was just like, maybe maybe I'll get lucky and I'll invent Angry Birds. Yeah, know, exactly. Next go around, right? Yeah. Whatever the future version of Angry Birds yeah, is. Yeah. Like, I'll get lucky and I'll, I'll be one of those people. And I didn't realize that it was just clear, like, no, no, no. Just you know, it's so funny, steps. you just said that there, there is a path. And when you, was there a time that you remember saying, holy crap, there is a path to success? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Right? And, and it's it was, not about the quick invention. It was the <clears> first <throat> time I ever got, so I did door-to-door -door sales for six, seven years. I did, okay. You know, training, management, recruiting, yep. selling, all that good stuff. But it, it was kind of like what where your early 20s were, where I was just doing all myself and just kind of figuring yep. it out. I was just a hustler. Yeah. And so probably three years ago now is when I got into the personal development world. Yep. Started listening to podcasts. Johnny Doom is a big mentor of mine, and yeah. one of the first Dear podcasts I listened Good to. Dude. And uh, I started just listening to that to all their stuff, and then it just turned me on to this entire world of people, like what kind of what you were saying. Yeah. Where I was just like, "Oh my gosh, where were all these <laughs> yeah. stories? Like, yeah. you know, ten years ago, what? like, what, how come I'm just now learning about this?" Yeah. And, and I felt like that being a twenty, you know, three year old, whatever I was yeah. at the time. 
And I'm sure people, you know, are realizing that at 40 and 45, yeah. and they're like, where was this my entire life? You know, so how, how, can, how, can we, how can we make sure that we put ourselves in environments that continue to help shape us into who we want to be? Yeah, and, and that's why Tony and I, Tony Robbins and I, yes, he changed my life at 25, and I wrote in my journal, someday I want to meet him and thank him. Uh, somebody introduced so us awesome. together, so introduced awesome. us a mutual friend about 10 years ago. Yeah, and, uh, Joe Polish. Uh, yeah. yeah, Joe introduced us about 10 years ago. And then um, Tony said, all right, fly out to Chicago. And then and we met really quick. And then he said, you know what, come down, meet me at my house. So I went to his house for an hour meeting. We spent like nine hours together. And yeah. we just had so many similarities growing up. His mom and my dad were like the same exact human. And just all this stuff. And it went great. He canceled all his stuff. I stayed an extra day. And we've been dear friends ever since. Yeah. And both of us have a lot of people that want to do business with us. Him more than me, he's got 20 years on me, right? But still, every day we have people that want to do business. And sometimes it's just, it's hard because I want to do business with a lot of people, yeah. but it gets numbing because you got to focus on your own stuff. Right, totally. So we decided like, let's just be buds. Like we didn't do business together for eight years. It was just friendship. We met four times a year. We talked once a week. And then a couple years ago, we just said, you know what? Self-education saved our lives. Like where would we be without Jim Rohn? Where would I be without you? Where would we be without all of this self-education, this specialized knowledge. And we said the world is finally getting it. I don't know if you know this, but right now the, the world is spending $455 million a day on self-education, a day. Really? And uh, Forbes just came out with an article saying it's one of the fastest growing industries in the world. It's heading to a billion a day. Wow. So what we figured out, the world's figuring out. Like I could go to college for four years or six and have this big debt. And then when I get out, what the hell am I going to do, right? There's a whole right. generation of millennials right now with college debt and don't know what to do with a higher level of angst. Mm -hmm. They're waiting mm -hmm. eight extra years to buy a house because they have a loan. Angst and entitlement too. And entitlement. Right? Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I'm supposed and, to get this. Yeah. And, and, check the boxes. Yeah, and, and not in a bad way. They're just like, they weren't taught that mm -hmm. there's this other option. So what, what the world is realizing, which Tony and I love, it wasn't that cool when Tony started 40 years ago, and it wasn't even that cool when I started an infomercial 20 years ago. But now people are going, okay, I can go four years of college, or I can go to this weekend workshop that somebody's been in this space five years, 10 years, 20 years longer than me, and in a weekend, I, they can condense decades or years into days, and I can start off where they left off. I mean, and have I can you ever- I work on it on Monday. I can work on it on Monday. Have yeah. you ever gone to a, a mastermind and literally went home Monday and transformed your business? Because yeah. I have. Yeah. I've been to 300 days yeah. of masterminds. And the world is realizing masterminds, groups, workshops, Zoom calls, online, like this online uh, platform has given the self-education this wind yeah. and the world is going there. So what Tony and I decided is like, how do we get how do we fix a, a, an outdated, broken education system? Yeah. And how do we make self-education the new norm? That's what him and I have been saying for two years. How do we make self-education the new norm? Yeah. And that's when we decided to take our 60 years combined experience in this industry and say, let's teach people with a skill, an experience, a hobby, a mastery, or even a struggle you went through and now you're on the other side. How do you extract that knowledge and share it with people starting on day one? Right? Everybody yeah. said to me, what's the self-education industry, Dean, if you had to sum it up? And I guess the best way I'd sum it up is, what would it be worth, you're 27. 27. What would it be worth to you to spend one full day with your 20-year-old self? Oh, man. A lot. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't There's know only two answers. Could, yeah, exactly. yeah, two answers I get. Priceless or millions. Right? That's what everybody yeah. says. So that's what the self-education industry is. How many people today do you think are starting off where you were when you were 20? Hundreds and hundreds yeah. of thousands, millions, right? Starting off today. You have the opportunity to go back and get those that raise their hand and more now are raising their hand than ever in the tune of heading towards a billion dollars a day saying, hey Travis, I don't want to spend seven years figuring out what you did, man. Yeah. Let's do a weekend Zoom workshop and tell me that. Right. And that, when Tony and I realized that, we're like, okay, but it's a little bit of the wild, wild west. Let's create a gold standard on how people can extract what they know, hmm. share it with people, find their ideal clients who want that, get paid, impact their lives, and move on. Okay, so you, you, you sold me on, on you know, self-education, yeah. but take it a step further, yeah, why yeah. masterminds? Like, you know, there's courses. Yeah, there's, yeah, I love know, that, there's, there's great so question. so many different okay, types. So, First off, I will never, the, the self-education industry, the knowledge industry, heading towards a billion dollars a day, that's made up of books, courses, uh, coaching, mm. consulting, and group training like masterminds and such. I love all of them. They've all changed my life. Like books changed my life. Tony's course changed my life. I've done, you know, I've sold millions of courses, millions of books around the world. Mm -hmm. Love them all, but here's what I know. 
I just released my sixth book. Writing a book is a bitch, for lack of a better word. Excuse my language, but it just is. You obsess on it, it takes you a year plus. You look at every word and you're like, oh my God, and then, but when it's done, I have an outlet on how I can sell a lot of books. Mm. But most people don't. The average book in Barnes and Noble, you know, the 95% of all books in Barnes and Noble don't sell over a thousand copies. No way, really? Yes. Wow. So what happens That's is someone puts their heart and soul for a year, year and a half in a book, and then they get a publishing deal, and they're like, right. yay, they won. They didn't win anything because right. publishers don't know how to sell books. They check all the boxes. That's why Borders is gone, yeah. right. right? It's like, and Barnes and Noble's probably pretty close. Yeah. So books are amazing, but just hard to make an impact fast. Mm. Courses are amazing, but in today's world, you, you know what Tony and I, we created, we spent almost a million bucks creating our course and software for people. Like, it's time to step up the game, and plus we have a whole team to support that course. Yeah. People aren't just buying a course if it's, you know, four videos stuck in a Kajabi account. Kajabi's great, right, right. but they want a real in-depth course. So a course takes time, effort, energy, which you should do. I think you should write a book and build a course for sure on your knowledge. But out of the gate, probably not. The way, or if you're even doing this, how do how do you go faster? Even if you're in it, you're going to want to do masterminds. So the third one is cult, uh, coaching. Coaching is another thing. Coaching changed my life. We offer coaching, but still, as a coach, you're usually in the time and effort community. Even if you're a take a fitness professional, right? They work for somebody else. Like hell with this. I'm doing my own thing. 150. I'm going to get 150 bucks an hour or 150 bucks a session. 150 bucks, you're still getting paid for that hour. You got to commute. Maybe you get three of them a day that you can drive around to. Um, and you're still in the time and effort community. So what Tony and I thought about is all of them are great. You should do all of them. Mm -hmm. But how do we jump the learning curve? How do we get people to extract what they know or what other people know? Tony started off as a reporter of other people's knowledge. Yeah, right. He wrote Money Master the Game. He's not the money guy. He interviewed the top people. So right. you either report on other people's wisdom or you report on your own skills. But would you rather write a book and take a year and hope it sells? Or how about if we could show you in 40 days how to have 40 people on a Zoom call that mm -hmm. paid you, where in 40 days you're giving them the information that can impact their lives, yeah. right? So that's why we like, it's, with electronics, we can do Zoom calls, you can do Skype calls, we can do it in person, online. Like there's so many delivery systems yeah. that in 30 days you could be in business and, and we're and watching that happen. there's a difference between 40 people buying your book and 40 people being in your mastermind, yeah, different financially. Price, different right, price points, right? Yeah, right? Totally. So, so we just wanted the quickest way for people to make impact. And Tony and I, last year we went live, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to live. Yeah. Fe we're going live again, February twenty seventh, just once a year. Um, it was amazing. We did the biggest online training that's ever existed. A couple yeah. hundred thousand people showed up. Amazing. And the first question Tony asked on that, and the first question I always ask when I'm on stage. I was just on stage with you know ten thousand people a couple weeks ago, and six thousand incredible businesswomen the week before, and six thousand people in Florida the week before, and I asked them all the same question. At the end of a great life, if you only had one of two options, you could make a great deal of money or make a great deal of impact. Who would choose money? Never a single person raises their hand. Mm. Who would choose impact? Everyone raises their hand. I said, what if you could do both? And everybody screams. Yeah. And that's what this industry allows. That's what you're doing, man. Mm. I mean, you have the opportunity, to, you've learned so much. You're, you're a, 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 voracious, a voracious learning nonstop. You're interviewing people who have skills. You're taking that information and you're allowing it to go back to the world. You're cutting people's learning curve for mm. a living. Yeah. Right, you're helping, you're impacting lives and there's more lives just like John Lee and Tony impacted me and other, like, you're impacting someone right now during this conversation. Someone's life is going to course correct and change forever because you drove in a car for four hours, you packed up your stuff, you came here, you did an interview with me, and one person's going to be inspired enough to make a shift in their life. Mm. And you did that, yeah. right? And you get to make revenue for doing that. It's incredible. It's yeah. like, that's, and we want everybody to, like, how do we fix a broken education system? If you have a skill, a hobby, a passion, or an experience, and you don't extract it and share it, you should feel guilty. Like if you die with knowledge in your head, Tony and I want you to feel guilty. That's mm. how we fix this problem. Mm. And that's where we're at. So that's why we're so stoked about it. Man, so much good stuff today, Dean. I, I'm, I, I could keep talking to you literally yeah, for yeah. hours. So I'll have to, I'll have to for sure put <laughs> we'll a, like a cut off. Yeah, yeah. Or, else, or else we'll be here forever. Um, one question that I, I ask every single guest yeah. that's ever come on the show. We're at 370 something episodes now. And wow, uh, congratulations. Every single guest, thank you, that's come on the show. I've asked them this question. I think I know the answer that you're going to give, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who you know or what you know, Dean? Which one is more important and why? Uh, for me, um, for me, it's what you know. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of uh, connections okay. growing up. So, but but I, I know the complete opposite for some people. When you network the right way, mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you two quick answers, and I'm sorry to give both because both those uh, have yeah. experience in my life. 
But who you know, because if you don't gain the knowledge, if you don't gain the foundation, if you don't gain the capabilities, when you meet the, the who, you won't have the, the depth and breadth to keep that communication alive, hmm. right? So yeah. I love helping a lot of people, but a lot of times I'll meet somebody so fresh, I'm like, there's nothing I can do and help this person needs five years of experience. There's nothing I can do. I can give them a million bucks, they'd be broke in six months. And I tell them, go read these books, follow hmm. this and do that. So make sure you have the who, uh, the, the how. The who, uh, the best way I believe to meet people is don't keep score. Don't ask what people can do for you, is build reciprocity. And if you put enough goodwill out to the world, a lot of times the people you're trying to connect with that you think you need for a partner, for a contact, for a shout out, you're trying and you're not getting anything. If you do it in the right way and you offer to help them in advance, you order to offer to do things for them, all of a sudden you get a tap on the shoulder from somebody behind you you didn't expect and the world pays you back, God, the universe, whatever you believe in. So reciprocity, if you don't know that word, mm. Google it. Build reciprocity, do things for other people first and your who you know will build. Well, simultaneously, you need to know the how or else when you meet them, they're gonna be like, you need a little time. Go ripen and come back when you know, yeah. Yeah. you're a little better. Yeah, one thing really quick before we move on to the last yeah. segment here that I wanna point out um, in your story with Tony was that you guys were just friends for eight plus years before yeah. you ever went into business together. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people mess up on when it comes to building relationships, connections. And, we get hit uh, up in DMs all the time, says, Dean, can you shout me out? Dean, would you partner yeah, with me? Right. Dean, can you do this for me? Zero goodwill. And when people hit goodwill. out and say, hit me up and say, hey man, you changed my life, I come to work with you for free, um, what can I do? Not that I want people for free, but I bet you we got 10 employees sitting out in this room yeah. from people who hit us up with wanting to give first. Right. I already know their heart, I already know that uh, yep. they get it. Right, no, a totally, totally different thing there. And ultimately, I think it's because people compartmentalize and they, they take like a business contact and they make that like, oh, this is a business contact. Yeah. And then they have friendships and it's like, oh, these are friendships. Yeah, no, it's all really people, it's all feelings. Yeah, one of the It's same. all feelings. And I got one yeah, quick round for you. This is a random round. There's yeah, five or six just really random quick questions for you, for you. Ready? Here we go. What profession other than your own do you think that it would just be fun to attempt? Uh, driving a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be? Uh, my grandmother. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Listening, audiobooks. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Uh, gratitude, my wins from the day before, the wins from the, the wins I'd like for that day, green drink, workout. What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh, um... Either Eminem or, um, I don't remember, this, one of the, an Eminem song. <laughs> what, besides business, putting business aside, what is something that you just are not very good at? Oh, um, hmm, networking, like in crowds. Okay. I hide. Yeah, yeah. introvert. I'm a major yeah, introvert. Yeah, totally. Um, as we get everything wrapped up here, Dean, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you active the most? Most active would be my Instagram story. Instagram Dean story. Graziosi, okay, yeah. Perfect. I do a story every single day. Perfect. Um, and I think it's working. Our Instagram's growing like crazy. Dean, thanks so much for coming to the show appreciate today. Appreciate you, man. Had a fantastic awesome time. stuff today. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, that's it for this episode of World Class. World Class is hosted by me, Travis Chappell, and produced by Eric Skorzynski. It is a world-class media production. At World Class Media, we produce top-rated podcasts for seven to nine-figure entrepreneurs, executives, real estate investors, and content creators. So if you want your own show, you have the budget to create one, but you just don't have the time or the team to figure it out, then go to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's Travis Chapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash make my podcast. And let's chat to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, peace out and stay world-class. Thank you.